Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. Good morning, everybody around the world. Thank you for tuning in today. This is the Grace for This City podcast. I'm Justin. Hey, we're helping you turn cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we're giving you scriptural motivation and strategies that will help you, friends, get out there and get something done for King Jesus. Hallelujah. Say yes today. Listen, if you're not born again, don't delay, friends, except Jesus today. Hallelujah. He's the best one to be working for. Well, uh, we're honored that you're joining us today. Let me tell you about a project that we want to make you aware of. You probably heard me talk about it before, but um, we're, uh, we've got a facility on our property, and uh, the Lord told us to expand our uh, reach a little bit. And in that building, we can fit three studio sets. That's right, three studio sets. We can have an expanded podcast set. If you're watching me right now, you can see the studio we're currently using. Uh, but over there in this other building, we can expand it a little bit, do some more things with with the podcast set. And then uh, we want to do something that we're calling Equippers Academy and Equippers University. It's kind of a sit-down, headshot style, more of a teaching, training, uh, university kind of flow feel there. Uh, that can fit in that building as well. That will be one of our sets. And then uh, lastly, the largest set will be like a sit-down, interview-style kind of couch and chair type you know, feel and arrangement there. We have guests on and have kind of a little more of a casual conversation about spiritual things. So we're really excited about that. And uh, we just want you to be aware of that. If you feel led or prompted, you wanna sow into that, boy, we'd be honored if you would uh, help us accomplish that vision. Several ways you can uh, participate with that. You can go to our website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give, and uh, several ways that you can participate right there. You can mail a check, you can text to give, you can give online right there at the website whatever you're comfortable with, but uh, we thank you in advance for considering that. Hallelujah. All right, well, let's jump into the podcast today. And uh, I want to talk about, uh, in our uh, episode today, I want to talk about rightly dividing the scriptures, rightly dividing. And that idea, that thought comes out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, if you'll turn in your Bibles, and we'll look at that in just a second. While you're doing that, I'm going to look up another verse that I didn't have in my uh, notes. And uh, that 2 Timothy 2.15 passage, um, hold on, let me look look this up, is such a phenomenal uh, message. It's very important that we understand what's being said here. All right, here's, here's how it reads. And I'm going to read this out of the New King James. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and then watch this, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, this is very important here because he's saying, of course, he's talking to Timothy here. Of course, Timothy was pastoring at a church, but really this is a this is a personal letter of instruction written to you by Holy Ghost. And uh, in order to navigate the days that you and I are living in, you, my friend, are going to have to have a working knowledge of the word of God. You're going to have to be able to navigate your way through the scriptures to be able to find counsel, wisdom, and insight. It's going to be imperative, friends. But he's saying that uh, you need to be diligent in the studies of the scripture in order to present yourself approved to who? Not necessarily the, the board of directors, not the oversight committee, not any committee, not 
this guy or that girl or, you know, whoever thinks he's the boss or whoever. I mean, while some of that is appropriate, ultimately, you've got to study the word to show yourself approved to God. You know, he's the author of, of this thing. He's the one with the plan. And you're proving yourself faithful unto him that you uh, know exactly what you're supposed to be doing and what his intentions and what his will is. Remember, there's another place in Ephesians that says, don't be foolish, but know what the will of God is. Uh, the only way you're going to know that is by getting into the scriptures here and having Holy Ghost obviously work with you and help you. But you've got to be able to navigate your way through this written word. And, and But if you don't do that, then in effect, what you're doing is you're going you're gonna to present yourself in a shameful posture and position, uh, which is what you don't want to be in here. He says you do this correctly. If you're diligent, you can get into the word and Holy Ghost is going to help you then you will present yourself approved to God, a worker, one of his workers, one of his servants, who's not ashamed, who's not embarrassed because you don't know what the word says. You've navigated it. You've studied it. And so now God has approved of you and uh, you're able to rightly divide the truth. Now, if the Bible can be rightly divided, if truth can be rightly divided, then truth can also be what? Wrongly divided. Hallelujah. If it can be wrongly divided, I'm telling you, friends, that's not good. And how many people out there are, you know, even accidentally, uh, due to their lack of diligence, all right, are presenting a wrongly divided scripture? Listen, you don't want to be found in that spot. You don't want to be teaching something that's not correctly divided, that's not parsed out the right way. You've probably heard heard this before. You can really make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. Listen, you can do a flop and stop in 10 different places and just copy and paste those 10 different scriptures or 10 different passages together, and you can preach some sort of message, but it, it, but it won't be rightly divided, right? I mean, if you just, you know, just flop and stop. Now, I have flop and stopped, flopped and stopped before, and God has used that, and it's been something that I needed to hear, but I don't bet the farm on that. I don't tempt God by flopping and stopping to get my sermons. Uh, no, there's a better way of being led by Holy Spirit as he's navigating things that people need to hear uh, in real time. But all of it's derived from his word, but it's a word that is in harmony. It's not contradicting itself. There's a passage um, in 1 John 5, 7. Let me read it to you. So there are three witnesses in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. And it says these three are one. Listen, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit, the Word and the Spirit they are one. They're in agreement. They will never contradict themselves. You know, when the law was given at Mount Sinai, it was given on the exact same day that many years later that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the exact same day. What is that telling us? That these things agree. They're working together in harmony. Holy Spirit's not revealing something that contradicts the word or the written word. The written word will never reveal something to you that contradicts what Holy Spirit is saying and doing. There's a harmony of thought. There is a rightly divided flow. There is uh, things that have to be un- understood in context, some things understood from a historical context, but ultimately we understand the Bible just from the plain reading. <laughs> Praise God. You know, I heard someone say once that the reason why that uh, reading and writing were uh, uh, invented, I guess invented, God revealed reading and writing was so that we would have today what you and I have. We would have this compilation of scriptures, God's dealings with man, both historical, present, and future. This book is a book of prophecy as well. There are things in this book that have not taken place yet, 
but it's telling us things to come so that we would uh, be able to anchor ourselves, that we would be able to hold fast and endure until we receive the promises that have been revealed. God spoke through uh, men and women. These things were recorded for our benefit today. You know, we were thrust into the dark ages because the word was locked up. Remember that? And it wasn't until somebody really contended uh, to uh, get the word to the average believer. It, you know, it wasn't until like the uh, people started uh, making copies of the Bible and giving them out to everybody uh, that we got out of those dark ages. You know, when the Bible was locked up, all people had was whatever the papal authority or, you know, the high priest or the high so-and-so or apostle this and that, or, you know, the grand poomball this and that, or whoever thought he was the boss here. I mean, people were totally dependent on somebody's opinion of the Bible. They couldn't read it for themselves and determine. And so things were being said, but nobody had the Bible to go back and see if what was being said was even the truth. I'm telling you, friends, do not give in to this subtle wind of doctrine going on there that is diminishing this written word. You know, uh, somebody said recently that, uh, that doctrines create divisions. Therefore, we need to surround ourselves around apostolic fathers. Now, at the end of that statement, I mean, it sounds good in the beginning. Oh, yeah, 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 we need apostolic fathers. Well, what they're saying, though, and I'm not going to tell you who's saying this, but these are very prominent people that believe like this. In fact, um, this particular person that I'm thinking about, they wrote a book, and there's a chapter dedicated to that concept right there. And what they're actually saying is, is that uh, God is using apostles and prophets today to reveal to us God's will and intent, literally, that they're still writing doctrine, and they have current doctrine for us, that some of these archaic doctrines were for a pastime. One of these guys said that this is uh, preceding. The written word is preceding, but what the apostles and the prophet and prophets today have is proceeding. And so we need to give ear to these apostles and prophets because Holy Spirit is speaking through them exclusively to give us the information we need today. Well, if that was the case, then nobody needs a Bible then. All we have to do is go find some modern apostle and prophet and just sit at his feet and have him speak uh, to us on behalf of God. But see, that that actually was not the intention is that now there's no mediator between God and man. You don't need an apostle. You don't need a, uh, 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 a prophet to stand between you and God. My goodness, people, uh, uh, these, these types of, um, dangerous teachings today, they're very subtle. They're very cunning. Uh, you'll be hard pressed to find anybody actually say what they're trying to tell you up front. Uh, they say what they want you to know over a period of time. And I'm not trying to <laughs> make it like a conspiracy or something, but I'm just saying they don't tell you what they believe on their websites. You have to actually show up at their meetings as they flesh out their doctrines. But I'm saying what, what we're seeing right now is that this word is being diminished and the voice of apostles and prophets in many groups and camps and streams, what they're saying is they have revelation. They're elevating their own uh, experiences, their encounters, they're elevating their own understanding, basically their own opinion is what it boils down to. They're elevating their own opinion of the scriptures, and we're getting all kinds of crazy, wrongly divided messages out here. And I'm going to talk about a couple of the most popular ones today without naming names or whatever, but I'm going to give you the gist of it to where you can be aware of some wrongly divided scriptures. And I'll give you the scriptures to back up why it's wrongly divided. It's very simple. It's very easy. 
But I'm saying if you're not paying attention, this stuff will just blow right by you. And the reason why it'll blow right by you is if you don't give yourself to diligent study of the word, if you can't navigate the scriptures, you don't have to have everything memorized. But I'm saying if you are not a diligent worker studying to show yourself approved unto God, not approved unto one of these apostles and prophets, not approved to somebody else. I mean, there may be some uh, level of accountability where you know other people need to know that you're doing your due diligence. But ultimately, what we're talking about is that you've got to show yourself approved un, unto God, being able to navigate the days in which we live unashamed because you know what the will of the Lord is because you've been in his word. You've studied his word. You fellowship with the word. You commune with him. You feast on this word every day. Yes, I'm, I'm talking about going back and reading the actual Bible, the Bible, the canon as we understand it, uh, understand it today. I'm not talking about apocryphal stuff. You got to be watchful with apocryphal literature. You got to be watchful with extra things, things that are not in this. Listen, you have what you need right here to know the will of the Lord. I'm not saying there's not other writings that are that don't have truth in them as far as historical truth, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, you got to be watchful when you're adding a whole bunch of other things to this right, right here. Some people spend more time reading apocryphal literature than they do the actual word. You can quote pages from a nonsensical literature, uh, but you don't even know what the Bible says. Okay, that's dangerous, friends. And that's going to get you off. That's going to get you off. It's going to get you way off. Um, let's go to this other verse here. Let's see here. Go to uh, 2 Timothy 3. 16, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine. Now, I, I get it when they say, okay, yeah, doctrines cause divisions. Oh, okay, yeah, doctrines of man. Okay, there's doctrines of devils. Okay, doctrine is kind of a generic term here. But what we're talking about is true Bible revelation when it talks about a particular thing, like maybe the doctrine of sowing and reaping, say or uh, the doctrine of the gospel of grace, or something like that. These things are revelations that have come out of the, the Bible. And uh, maybe they've been, um, you know, singled out into concepts, principles that we can, you know, study and go over and understand and flesh out. What we're talking about is good Bible doctrines, okay? If you're saying that all these doctrines are causing divisions and you need to rally around an apostle because apostles create unity and momentum, uh, they derive that uh, from Acts chapter 2, where it says that the people dedicated themselves to the apostle doctrine. Well, some of these guys today, some of these ladies today, are taking that completely out of context and saying that, in effect, that uh, Bible revelation and Bible doctrines are still being written today, and it's coming through the apostles, okay? Um, and so it's uh, okay for you to surround yourself with a quote modern day apostle because they have revelation for today. I heard one of these guys say, just like Paul, this is what he said. He, he said, there are apostles and prophets today that have the word of the Lord, just like Paul had in his day. And what, what, what the, the, the consequence, let me say it like that. The consequence of statements like that is it leads people to think that Paul's revelation was for a past tense time. And we are in a time now where God isn't speaking to us as present tense uh, to us like Paul, like he used Paul in those days. He's speaking to us present tense through other apostles, modern apostles and prophets 
today. Friends, that is dangerous. I'm telling you, I would run from groups like that that are diminishing the word being your daily action plan because then you got to check in with some other guy. You got to check in with some other prophet or apostle. I believe in the function and the office of apostles and prophets, uh, but not to the level of elevating them to the level of scripture, to the level of scripture. Does God still speak through people today? Sure he does. But we have this to judge everything they say. I mean, it is too easy for somebody to diminish this and say, well, just believe me because I'm an apostle. Well, then if this cannot prove you, if this cannot sift you, if the written word cannot prove what you say, sift what you say, substantiate what you say, delineate what you say, then we might as well be back in the dark ages where I have no tools uh, to judge, test, prove, and hold fast to that which is pure, holy, and right. I mean, we're admonished throughout the scripture to test, prove. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, don't just let one prophet speak, have several prophets speak. You know, just, just don't take what one guy says. Other people need to weigh in on this. Hallelujah for it. So I wanted to read that. Go back there, 2 Timothy. I closed up my Bible here. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And uh, where's it at? Where's it at? Verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, profitable, profitable for doctrine. What else? For reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen, if we strip people from the confidence that anything I say or anybody else says can be substantiated or refuted, either received or thrown out, because the written word will either confirm it or deny it. If, if we're robbing people of that confidence, what are we doing? That's dangerous. And some of these guys today, some of these ladies today, some of these movements today, uh, just expect you to believe what they say because of the title. No, 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 I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. Because everything you say must be able to be delineated, uh, understood, and tested and proven through a plain reading of the word of God. Um, again, nothing the word says will contradict what the spirit is saying. So if somebody's saying they're having these spiritual encounters or Holy Spirit spoke to them or an angel gave, gave them a message, but there's no way you can substantiate that with the written word, then what we would do is say, mm, I'm not sure uh, about that. You know, we definitely put it on a shelf if we don't outright reject it on the onset. Um, so it's very important that we rightly divide scriptures. Now, let me give you an example here, and I'm going to give you some scriptures. Let me give you an example of some of the most popular wrongly divided messages uh, that are out there today. Uh, again, I'm not going to name, name any uh, names of ministers or ministries, but I'm going to give you uh, some of the messages. Uh, one of the uh, messages that is extremely popular today is what we would call Kingdom Now, or it's a teaching that says that we're literally in the millennial reign of Christ right now. Now, uh, a lot of the proponents of this message uh, have a system, a system of interpretation that they use to approach the Bible with. And um, if you are a pre-millennialist, meaning you believe that Jesus is going to return prior to establishing a millennial kingdom on the earth. If you believe that, then the reason uh, 
or the mechanism or the tooling you use to derive that conclusion is what they call literal interpretation. Now, I know that sounds like dirt to dirt, right? That that should be obvious and that should be universal, but I'm telling you, it's not. The other day I was called a literalist by somebody because the conclusions we, d- we derive concerning Bible doctrines or, or eschatology or uh, in particularly uh, the conclusions derived off of the prophetic passages in the Bible, if you read them literally, meaning that your first mechanism of understanding what the Bible says is the plain literal reading of the word, you're literally called a literalist. Now that is the number one way uh, or the number one filter or mechanism we use it is an over, an overlay of how we interpret the Bible. That's how we derived a premillennial conclusion of the prophetic passages, uh, Isaiah, Hosea, Zechariah, Revelation, etc. Is we use a literal rendering, and uh, by reading the Bible literally, taking its plain sense, its plain meaning, uh, we've concluded that Jesus actually will return on the earth. He'll set foot on the earth prior to establishing a one thousand year reign, a Sabbath reign a millennial kingdom, a time of peace under his leadership, even though he's going to rule with a rod of iron, uh, it will, he will return prior to establishing that, that kingdom. The other very popular and increasingly popular, in fact, it seems like it's making a minority out of the other, but the other system or process of interpretation that is used uh, so number one, you have the literal uh, process. You um, the uh, way we would interpret the Bible is do its its simple, plain rendering, literal interpretation. Meaning, if the Bible says that something's read, we would our first response to that would be to believe that yes, if the Bible says it's read, it's read. All right. The other major uh, system of interpretation is allegory or spiritualization. Now, if you are a post-millennialist, meaning that you believe that Jesus is coming after a period, you don't even believe it's a thousand years, but he's coming after a period of kingdom establishment on the earth, like we're literally in the millennial reign. Now, most post-millennials that I'm aware of, uh, they believe that 1,000 years is not literal. They believe it's symbolic. And so it could be 10 years, it could be 300 years, it could be you know, 25,000 years. So, okay. Uh, it's not literal. They, um, it's more symbolic. And the only way, now listen, friends, I don't mean to boil this down so simple. Okay. But it's not complicated. The only way that people derive the conclusion of a post-millennial, meaning after a period of kingdom establishment on the earth, then Jesus returns is because the prophetic passages in the Bible, like with the prophets in the Old Testament and dealing with certain prophetic passages uh, in the New Testament, uh, they interpret them as uh, allegory or symbolic, or they spiritualize particular texts dealing with Israel. Okay, now, you cannot be post-millennial without a replacement theology framework. Now, uh, most people do not like to be called replacement theologians. Um, And here's why. Because replacement theology, while not exclusively, but 
the vast majority of concepts associated replacement with replacement theology leads to anti-Semitism. And, uh, but the only way you can derive a conclusion of that we are in the millennial reign of Christ right now, and he is establishing kingdom rule on the earth right now, is to spiritualize texts that have to do with Israel and Jacob. I'm, I'm talking about the prophetic passages dealing with Israel and Jacob. You have to spiritualize that to not literally mean Israel or the Jews, but it must now mean the church. Now, the only way you can get to that is to not understand it literally, but to understand it spiritually or allegorically. Again, the vast majority of post-millennials that I'm aware of don't even see uh, Revelation as future, and particularly if they're a partial preterist or a preterist, Revelation is past. The vast majority of post-millennials that I know uh, believe that the Antichrist came in AD 70 and that the tribulation came in AD 70 when Rome uh, invaded Jerusalem and destroyed the temple and murdered, you know, you know, thousands and thousands of, of Jews. It was terrible. It was a tribulation of sorts, but they believe that all those prophetic passages dealing with what you and I understand as future prophetic passages, the vast majority of post-millennials that I'm aware of uh, believe that a lot of that is past. So when they read Revelation, they don't read it like you and I do. They read it as we're somewhere in the middle of it right now, trying to you know conquer you know uh, demonic uh, territorial strongholds that are hindering the full establishment or the full incarnation of Jesus Christ in the church today. Now, let me give you a couple verses here because what I'm talking about is one of the most popular, wrongly divided messages. Uh, that seems to be just taking the world by storm. I mean, it's extremely popular, extremely popular. Even people that don't even really believe it are swallowing it up. <laughs> and here's why, because most people are afraid to take definitive positions on eschatology. And so while all this message is rooted in an eschatological position, there are elements of it, for example, like the doctrine of apostles and prophets seems to be the element of it that most people are latching onto. And when they start fleshing out though, how they derive the conclusion of the doctrine of apostles and the doctrine of prophets, uh, most people don't even realize that the only way they come up with the doctrine of apostles and prophets is because they've concluded that the antichrist was passed, tribulation was passed, and we're in the millennial kingdom now. So Everybody, 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 everybody everywhere um, actually derives their messages from a destination. Like, um, let me see how to say that. Like, he's the alpha and the omega, right? He's the aleph and the tav. He's the beginning and the ending. And the way God does is, Isaiah revealed this, is, is he goes to the destination. He establishes the ending. And then he comes all the way back to where you and I are and says, follow me. I don't know any minister anywhere that doesn't begin their messages off some rough destination point because you have to point people somewhere. Now you may not be trying to get them completely to the destination all in one day, but you're pointing them that way. So everybody, whether you fully understand it or not, all of your messages are derived from what you believe about the destination, about the end. What's the end? Well, there's only a few messages in the earth today. There are ones 
that are looking for Christ's return in order to establish his kingdom. And then there are the, uh, I mean, we're talking about the, the two pools of thought today for the most part. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. But I'm saying that it seems like the two most, most popular one. You're either looking for Christ to come and set things in order and establish his kingdom of a thousand years, or you believe we're already in the millennial kingdom and you're looking for the church to become immortal and Christ incarnate in the church in order to become this uh, powerhouse uh, uh, Christian. You know, some people call it Joel's army. It's a army of immortal Christians on the earth. And you have the wherewithal to subdue all the kingdoms on the earth. So according to Acts 21, he's held in the heavens until these things take, take place. And Jesus cannot return until the ecclesia subdues all kingdoms on the earth. Listen, you are you are probably in one or two, you know, you're you're in one or the other of those paradigms, friends. I'm telling you, I'm going to show you with scripture here that the post-millennial position is a wildly wrongly divided scripture. Now, I'm not I'm not trying to be mean. Uh I know a lot of people that believe like that. I would say they're good folk. But the problem is it's going to be shameful when the reality is that they spiritualize texts that were meant to be literal. Uh, and see, most, most of these guys, um, in my experience, there's some other reason why they're over in this post-mill mill camp. And it really has nothing to do with uh, the actual eschatology. It has more to do with the doctrines that... Uh, concern the function of apostles and prophets. And again, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but most people in my experience really cannot even articulate the actual eschatology of the beliefs, uh, pre-mill or post-mill. They know they don't believe in the rapture because someone told them that that's not true. Uh, But most people who are in a post-mill camp, uh, and let me just talk to you directly, you're not there because you know anything about the actual eschatology. You're there because the predominant element that's being taught right now is the establishment of apostles and prophets as the government of the church. That's the big ticket item. That's what everybody's preaching on. I mean, they, they preach on that 10, 10 to 1, maybe even 20 to 1. They'll talk more about the role of an apostle in your life and why everybody that doesn't have an apostle in, in their life is out of order, they'll talk more about that than the fact that Jesus cannot return until you, you Christianize the planet. That's included at some point, but I'm telling you 20 to 1, 30 to 1, maybe even 50 to 1 is the doctrines concerning how you're supposed to submit to an apostle or a prophet because they're the true government of the church. And I'm telling you, this has got a lot of people wrapped up. I mean, that is such a, that is such a slippery slope, especially if you've got any kind of ego or any kind of power trip going on. I'm, 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 I'm telling you, there's so many, and so many uh, of the, of the uh, so many of them came out of like the shepherding movement. I mean, movements that were really heavy handed on authority in people's lives, control in people's lives. Uh, uh, you know, the shepherding movement, the shepherd, which really is the rehash of that. They're just calling themselves apostles now. Now, not all apostles, don't misunderstand me, but I'm saying that movement just got re, rehashed. But it it elevated the voice of the apostle and the prophets in those movements so much so where people were listening 
uh, to their shepherd or apostle or prophet and never checking in with the Bible. Uh, you didn't have to because you had this God person in your life. Uh, anyways, that's a whole another message. But, you know, if you dig into the roots of some of these things, some of these teachings, you find out where these things begun or some of the elements associated with them. Listen, friends, it's not hard to parse this out. All right, now let me give you some scriptures here. Go with me to, um, go with me to uh, Isaiah chapter 11. Okay, there are what we call millennial prophetic passages uh, in the Old Testament. These were the prophets used to prophesy uh, the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Listen, false prophecy is anything that is projecting, prophesying, predicting, whatever, that doesn't align with the work of Christ in the earth. All prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Even personal prophecy is a testimony of what Jesus is doing in individual lives. But everything will line up in a harmonious sequence with the plan of the Father and the plan uh, that Jesus came to fulfill. He was slain before the foundations of the earth. So all prophecy is testifying of Christ, what he's doing, uh, what he did, what he's doing, what he's going to do. False prophecy is anything that doesn't harmonize with, with that. But if you go to Isaiah 11, I'm turning there. Isaiah 11. Okay, Isaiah 11. Let's look at verse uh, 6, for example. All right, Isaiah 11. There's Hosea, Zechariah. I, I mean, the Old Testament prophets, the propheticos. That's what Peter Remember first and second Peter, he was writing to the Jewish believers. He was referencing the propheticos because here these guys were raised on the Old Testament prophets. Okay, they were extremely familiar with what the prophets said. And um, so he was constantly reminding them, listen, there's gonna be, you know, between now and the time that Jesus comes, he says there's gonna be some dark days, but he said in the writing of the prophets, he was referring to the Old Testament prophets. He said, there's a guiding light. And he said, we know that it's sure. Peter said, I was at the transfiguration of Jesus and there was uh, Moses and Elijah. He said, more sure than that, or let me say it like this. He said, that right there solidified the surety of the prophetic word uh, that's found in the writings of the prophets. The Greek word that he used was the propheticos. And that refers to the Old Testament prophets. He said, there is a guiding light. He said, they've mapped, he, they, they've mapped it out. When you come across some dark days, he said, you can go back there and you can find out what's going to happen. All right. Now, so in these uh, prophecies, they talk about things that are to come. And right here in Isaiah chapter 11 is what we would call millennial prophecies. These are things that the prophets had revelation of, whether they really knew what it was going to be like or not, but they spoke. So we have record of, of these things. It's going to tell us what life in the millennium is going to be like. And I'm telling you, we're just going to use this right here uh, as a very simple way to show you biblically that we are not in the millennial reign right now. Again, a lot of post-millennials, maybe, maybe, maybe not all, I don't know about all, I don't know everything, but the vast majority of them that I'm aware of believe that right after AD 70, we entered into the millennial or the kingdom reign of Jesus on the earth. 
Now you're probably thinking, wait, no, he's got to come back. Well, see, they don't teach it like that. They say that he's um, sitting on the throne right now through the church, that uh, um, uh, the church is progressively becoming incarnate. Uh, we're progressively increasing in uh, Christ being revealed on the earth to the point that the last final enemy before Christ returns the last enemy the church will defeat is death. At that point, we'll become immortal. Of course, I don't believe that. I'll show you why here in a minute, but we'll become immortal, and then Christ will return. And uh, so so uh, the vast majority of post-millennials and the vast majority of the modern apostles and prophets movement have this message. I'm going to show you this verse right here to easily show you that that's a wrongly divided scripture. Isaiah 11, verse 6, it says, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Uh, lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. The uh, lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's nest or the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters covered the sea. Hallelujah, somebody. Do you see that? That is a millennial prophecy. That is a prophecy dealing with life in the millennial uh, time. Now, there's another scripture that I want to show you before I let you go. We're out of time on the podcast, but let me show you one more. Uh, and it talks about, let me find it here. I didn't have it in my notes. Uh, Isaiah 65. Let's turn there. This is another prophecy dealing with the future millennial reign of Christ Jesus on the earth. If we are in the millennial now, uh, then it would be okay to let our children play near the, the viper's den. We would see the cows and the bears grazing together. We would see lions eating straw like the ox. We would see wolves dwelling with the lambs. Do you see that happening today? Uh, no, so we are not in the millennial reign. Let me give you this other verse here. Uh, where's it at? Right here. So uh, here's another uh, section of scriptures that we have to use in order to properly and rightly divide messages. So you've got these guys that are preaching that we're in the millennial kingdom now, but they're overlooking the vast majority of prophetic passages dealing with uh, the, the, the time in which you're saying we're living in now. Look at this, Isaiah 65, what verse was that? 20. No more, this is a, this is a millennial prophetic passage. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days, for the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner being 100 years old 
shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. What he's saying, he's, he's saying in the millennium, a hundred years old is going to be like a child. Now in our day to day friends, there are only a handful of people that are living over a hundred years old. The vast majority of people are not living to a hundred years old. We are not in the millennial reign yet. Jesus has not established his throne. He has not subdued all the kingdoms under his rule. He is not ruling right now with a rod of iron. Uh, so what I'm saying is properly divided scriptures um, is extremely helpful. And when you don't divide the scriptures right, it's, it's robbing people of the emphasis that they need to be emphasizing right now. Hallelujah. Well, I hope you got something out of that. I'm going to have to let you go because I'm out of time. But we'll pick up on this again. And uh, so we're talking about rightly dividing the scriptures. We'll dig into some other scriptures where Paul's warning, uh, warning people of hanging out, being too casual, too patient with people that are preaching a false gospel or a wrongly divided word. Hallelujah. Stay in the word, friends. Stay close to the word. Judge everything by the word. All right. Hey, if you need prayer, we got uh, prayer people standing by. You can call us 870-741-9099. Leave a message. One of our prayer partners will respond uh, to your request. Or you can send us an email at hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv. Well, friends, I thank you for joining me today. And until next time, be blessed.